anyway, but um, so it was a lot of fun to, to get these in. We have one more week of our dog days of summer, but I just want to give a shout out to um, all of our folks who helped with the fine arts camp. It was just fabulous. The kids had fun. I think the volunteers had fun, and it was just great to kind of see folks here and, and, and doing life together in, in unique and different ways. The women's retreat, awesome. Shout out to the folks uh, who helped with that. I hope we see double next year, uh, folks who are participating. But um, anyway, it's just been a really good week, winding up with some of these dog days these next couple of weeks. And um, it's, I've just enjoyed y'all this summer. So maybe I'll, we'll just start with that. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are indeed so good to us. From beginning to end of each and every day, every moment in between, Lord, help us to be mindful of your goodness, your blessing. Lord, help us to look to you when times are troubled or challenging. Lord, just help us to live in love and embrace all that that means for our lives, but not just for our lives, Lord, not just for our sake, but indeed help us to live in love for the sake of this world. For it's in the name of Christ who shows us the way the way of love that we pray. Amen. If you will, please stand and I'll be reading from Ephesians. We continue on in the book of Ephesians with our dog days. So hear now this word from Paul. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. So then, putting away all falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors. For we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Evidently, the devil doesn't make us do anything. We make room for the devil. Do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come from your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you are marked with the seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger, all wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. You may be seated. Gracious God, again, we turn this time over to you. May your Holy Spirit transform this word so that it is not just words that we read or words that we hear, but rather, God, words that we are called upon to live. Again, it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. So over the last few weeks, those of you who have heard me preach already know that we have a new puppy at our house. Homer, the Bernadoodle. 
everybody's friend, everybody loves him, or so he thinks. I mean, raring to go at all times. So we've done what lots of you perhaps have done. We've gone to dog training school for the last five weeks. And really what dog training school is, is people training school, right? The owners of the dog, the masters of the dog, or what have you. So we have gone every Saturday and learned, frankly, the first lesson was a dog's going to be a dog. A dog's going to tear up your pillow if you leave it where the dog can get it. Put up your pillows. And a dog is going to go into your closet if the door is open and chew up your shoes. Close your closet door. And a dog is going to stick its head in the toilet, pull it out, and shake it all around, soaking the wall. Close your toilet lid. And on and on and on. The catch, our trainer says, I don't think she's trying to let herself off the hook. The catch is you've got to train the dog out of what comes natural to it. You've got to teach it not to counter surf, looking for food. You've got to teach it a vocabulary that it can respond to. We've got about 12 words now with Homer. We're still working. You've got to train and teach a dog. It just is how it goes. Don't expect a dog to, not to be a dog, but just train it with positive encouragement, she says. It's practical advice, right? Put your pillows up. Close your closet door, close the toilet lid, whatever. Practical advice. Now, I'm not going to call any of us here canines, but a lot of times we just need a little practical advice ourselves, right? For how to live life, for how to approach our circumstances, the do's and the don'ts, if you will. My mama always said that if you just lived your life based on Scripture, it wouldn't be perfect, but it'd be a whole lot better than it would be otherwise. And that's true whether you are a person of scripture or not. It's not going to be perfect. There are going to be challenging times. And yet, I don't know if mom knew she was quoting Deuteronomy. For the person who lives according to God's ordinances, there will be blessing. Maybe not right away. But as time goes by. The Bible is full of practical advice. We have the law, right? We have very absolute ways of being. And if you notice, if you read the law, they are for the community's ability to get along. The law is there for relationships to be supported. Don't murder. That would harm a relationship. Do not commit adultery. That would kill a relationship. Honor your parents. This is how we are to interact. We have law that shows us this. We have wisdom literature. We have the Proverbs and the Psalms. I just think there's so much packed in there. One of my favorites is a friend who abandons the other in bitter times will not get to share in the celebrations. Be a good friend through thick and through thin a fool likes to listen to their own opinion rather than to seek understanding. Guilty as charged. I love my opinion. But how foolish to live life only based on what I think. We have law. We have wisdom. 
We have the living word of Jesus Christ. We have gospel that breaks wide open this family of God that invites us into a transforming relationship, not one just of words written on a page, but one of following the living word, the embodiment of all law, all wisdom, all love, all grace. And then we have Paul, one of our early interpreters of the living word, one of our first theologians, a missionary who was committed not just to getting the word out there. Paul was committed to getting the word in a transformative relationship with the entire world. That was Paul's goal. Remember, I said if you're thinking any, any too, too short of that goal, that transformation of the world, you're aiming too low. Paul wanted to change this world the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Now that involves behavior. We've got good information here. We've got good how-tos here, do we not? We've got law. We've got wisdom. We've got the living word of Christ. We've got the instructions from Paul. Be angry, but do not sin. That's a good one. God knows we're going to get angry. But do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Pretty practical advice. Good words from Paul and how to live our lives, how to interact with others. Work hard, says do not steal. I want to know who was stealing in the church. Remember Paul's writing to the church. Work hard so that you may share with the needy. That's a twist. Work hard so that you may so that you may share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. Wouldn't the world be a better place if we all paid attention to that one? Again, guilty as charged. Let no malice come forth from your mouth, but only use words that are there to build up. The Bible again is full of this kind of word information, how-tos, direction, instruction, guidance. But yet, the goal of Scripture is not to create a bunch of moral, upright people. The goal of Scripture is not to teach us to get along necessarily so that we'll just all be good citizens and nobody will step on anybody else's toes. That's not the goal of Scripture. Being popular, being appropriate, being whatever, being well-liked, being well-disciplined. Not the goal of Scripture at all. Maybe a byproduct, for sure. Maybe secondary to the goal, for sure. But the goal of Scripture is to bring people into a transforming relationship with our Creator. The goal of Scripture is to enable people to enter into a relationship with God through the grace of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's what these words are all about from beginning to end. God is seeking us. And Scripture helps us understand how it is we can respond, how it is we are called upon to respond, and that determines, of course, how it is we live our lives. But that behavior is secondary. That behavior is an outcome. It's not the goal at all. 
If you want to do some self-help, some learning how to live your lives, there's a $10 billion industry in our country for that. Baby boomers are still the largest target audience for self-help books and instruction. I guess we're all still just working on it, right? No matter how old you get. And you go to Barnes & Noble, full. Go to Amazon, full. You'll find what you need there for self-help, for instructions, for, for trying to be a better person, for all of that. Millennials now, they're targeting millennials with apps and podcasts. It's there. We can get all the wisdom, all the encouragement, all the direction, all the guidance we could possibly want, and more just from the self-help industry in the U.S. The Bible's not a self-help book, again. The Bible is a book that seeks transformation of human beings. The Bible is a book that speaks life into being and asks us to follow that living word. Because if it was up to us, we'd try, but we'd get it wrong. We'd try, and we'd get it wrong. We do try, and we get it wrong. And yet, by the grace of God, so says Paul, we are forgiven. And we pick ourselves up, and we move on through the power of the Spirit. That's what's going on here. Nothing short of God's Spirit wanting to change everything from the inside out. Not from the outside in. God wanting to get a hold of our hearts. God wanting to change how it is we approach life. God asking us to give up our biases, our prejudices. God asking us to give up our judgments. God asking us to transform the perception this world seems to have of Christians these days. Isn't that crazy? Sometimes our identity as Christians is, is, is wedded more to judgment than to grace. It's about behavior and only focusing on behavior. Years ago, when Pope, the Pope Francis came into um, his pontificate, I guess that's what you say. Anyway, when Pope Francis first came into his pontificate and he made some statement about how he wasn't going to judge others, that made CNN. As if that was news. As if that was not just the Pope quoting Jesus Christ. What in the world are we doing, people of God? Have we not been transformed so much? So grace is what we're known by rather than judgment? That's the essence of the word, written and living. That's what God seeks and desires in and of us is nothing short of transformation. And that transformation begins and ends with grace. I want us to look at, um, at this text today. I think it's important we start at the end of it. Well, leading up to it, we'll back up a little bit. Leading up to it in, ver in um, chapter 4, Paul says to the Christians, to the believers there in Ephesus, would you just grow up? Would you just move on beyond the letter of the law? Would you just grow up? The message translation of scripture says, we want no emphases for, with us forever. We come into Christ, we're born again, and then we move on and grow up as thinking and feeling and transformed believers. And so Paul says we've got to grow up, people of God, and this is where it starts. It starts in chapter 5, I think. It starts with these words because these words speak more to transformation than they do to the letter of what is read. 
Therefore, people of God, be imitators of God. Therefore, people of God, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ himself loved us and gave himself up for us. We're not going to be transformed at all if we don't start with that goal of immersing ourselves in the identity of Christ. If we don't live in the understanding that the Holy Spirit seeks to transform us from the inside out as we seek to be imitators of Christ. The church is called Christ's body in this world for a reason. And God has trusted us enough to take that mantle on and to be those who live in love as imitators of Christ, constantly allowing the Holy Spirit to transform even us, immersing ourselves in a culture that transcends time and space and has lasted already 2,000 years. We know that the church at Ephesus was wildly successful, and yet it held itself apart from the culture it found itself in. The church is bound to no culture, certainly not to be controlled by one. And so Paul writes to a people who are already learning that their role, our role in this world, is to set ourselves apart by the power of the Holy Spirit, to commit to that transformation, and to let ourselves be led in such a way that it doesn't matter where we are or when we're there. What matters is that commitment to be an imitator of Christ, following in his footsteps, immersed in an altogether different culture, a culture where we live in love first and foremost. When I was a, an exchange student in Argentina, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to do pretty, pretty good. I'd had three years of high school Spanish. I was going to the other side of the world, and I was going to be just fine because I knew grammar, I knew vocabulary, I knew sentence structure. I had all that down. I knew the letter of the law. And when I got off that plane and I tried to speak to my new host family, they just looked at me with blank stares. And when they tried to speak to me, I looked like a deer in the headlights. We had no idea what the other one was saying. Now, Walitha, the grandmother in, in the family, she would yell at me. She would raise her voice as if I was deaf and not just unable to understand her. Trying to communicate, trying to get it right. All of us coming together, seeking that relationship that we signed on for. But as the days went by and we began to understand each other's accents, and when I began to catch up that, you know, they, people talk a lot faster in their native tongue than they do in their second language. Anyway, as if you didn't know that. But as I began to understand myself immersed in an altogether different culture, communication began far to become, became far more easy to communicate, far more effective. Family was built, bonds were strong, and it was great to be able to communicate in a way that could be understood. That's what Paul is getting at here. How is it that we as believers, transcending the culture from which we come and enter into a new identity in Jesus Christ, transformed by the Holy Spirit each and every day, far beyond the letter of the law, far beyond behavior, only subject to the love and grace of Christ, and only primarily being 
interested in how others receive that love and grace of Jesus as well. They say the church is the only entity in the world that doesn't exist for itself. The body of Christ existing for everybody else. Inviting everybody else to be a part of what God wants to do in this world, in and through us, in and through others. Transcending all that we may bring with us as we walk in that door, being transformed to head back out. Absolutely, it's, it's important. Let's not be angry. Let's let no evil talk come from our mouths. Let's remember that we are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit for the day of our redemption. Absolutely. But only when we begin to walk in love, live in love, only when we understand ourselves as transformed beings by the power of the Holy Spirit, only then can we truly begin to operate as God would have us operate? And it says it right here. Can we be kind in a world that seems far too mean? Be kind, the scripture says. Be tender-hearted when others shout angry words. Be kind, be tender-hearted, and of course be forgiving, for we know we get it wrong all the time too. God seeks to transform this world by transforming his body of Christ right here, right now. Harrison Church, let's just start by living in love this day and seeing what God will do. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us again this day to submit ourselves to the power of your spirit. Help us, O oh God, to submit ourselves tomorrow to the power of your spirit. And the next day and the day after that, Lord, transform us so that it is through our relationship with Jesus Christ that we do everything else we do in this world. Guide us by your spirit. Lead us in love that we may also live in love. Remind us as often as we need to be reminded that we are here for others just as Christ was here for us. We have been recipients of grace so that others may know that good grace and love as well. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> Help us to be imitators rather than just listeners, speakers, readers of the word. Help us to be imitators of the living word, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we not only pray, it's in his name that we also live. Amen. Be imitators of Christ. It's a tall order. But we serve a God who asks nothing of us that he also won't equip us for. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, we are those who live in love. We are those who share that love with all others. Go in the name of Jesus. Amen.